Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to the DBS Films Podcast. My name is Kellen, with me as always is my brother Brendan. Together we make movies with the DBS Films. Today episode we're going into part four of The Forest of Death, scene-by-scene breakdown, basically going through our newest movie, Forest of Death, and highlighting what we like, what we don't like, what we would change, all of those fun things in the filmmaking process. If you haven't seen it yet, be sure to take a look at it online on Amazon Prime, Voodoo, iTunes, a lot of other platforms as well if you go ahead watch it give us a review it means the world to us we definitely appreciate it also be sure to take a look at our discord channel online because we make movies for our fans with our fans so if you've ever wanted to be part of the process behind the scenes inside the action go ahead take a look at that online so we are picking up after, as we were mentioning, a lot of plot devices, kind of moving the plot forward. We were also talking about how pacing is really, really important and something that we really think we did a great job here on. So where we were picking up, they basically decided to stay. And we have a lovely moment between uh, Ashley and Tom kind of talking about that. Tom's comforting her. You know, she's still a little bit uneasy. And then Dylan's putting the moves on Tracy. They're right about to kiss and boom, pop scare. There's Roger interrupts them and they're running right back out. So before we hop into them getting outside into the woods, I think this is actually a better a better scene in the sense of like plot device of moving it forward. And I think it comes back to what we learned with the murder house, which is if you have two actions unfolding at the same time, you can almost really move along the speed of that scene. Similar to what we did with the uh, ritual scene, splitting up Dylan, myself, and then uh, Kai and Sarah. Yeah. I mean, I just wish this house was on one floor, like the first story. So like all these pop scares could have happened behind you know, the actors, like if Chloe was freaking out and then turns and looks and there's Roger standing at the door or at a window, it's much more impactful than having, she sees something and Tom goes over there and has to look down and he's just standing there. There's no real pop there. It works because it's a plot device and it really gets the action going. But man, like these last two pop scares, the one with Roger playing cards and then Roger in this window in a, a house that was just a little bit more beneficial to us. Um, it would have been really good. And it's just like one of the reasons that indie filmmaking is hard is like, we have to use what we did. This location was absolutely perfect for the woods is absolutely perfect for everything that we wanted. But sometimes the small stuff like these two scenes would have been really, really good. If, you know, if we could have got a full frame Roger pop or it was just a little bit more intimidating. That being said, I do like having both of these. I do like that the kiss is interrupted. But once again, if we did a better job developing the characters of Dylan and Tracy, I think it would have been a little bit more impactful and it would have been a little bit more spicy. And I think you would have went, you know, going towards the the uh, route of having a really great movie. But this is really our first time where we had characters developing a relationship in an hour and 20 minutes we really haven't done that in any of our our other movies and obviously you can see that this is our first time but we learned a lot from it and the next time we do it i will do a much better job of developing their characters and it's just from you know a top-down perspective the pacing of their uh relationship building is off and i think some of the dialogue and some of the character choices are a little bit off and that's very easy to fix because we fix it in the script. Like it's just a script writing pro- problem. But once again, I didn't know any of this stuff existed because we had never done this before. 
And now that we've uploaded it, uh, we can sit back, fix it. And, you know, for us to death 2.0, if we decide to go with Dylan and another Tracy character, um, we can just make it that much better. But for a first time, I don't think it's detrimental to the story. But I do think it leaves a lot of meat on the bone as far as we can really kind of develop this. There's something really cool here, but we just didn't have the experience to really flesh it out. Exactly that. I think it really is the case where, you know, you end up learning a lot. And this is our first time learning from the essentially, you know, budding relationships that you were mentioning there. Um, But I do think it is something where we did take from the pacing, at least of the having multiple things happen. But I completely agree. There is a big scare factor in the sense of when you go to the window and you look down and there's Roger, it's not as, as big as an impact as if he was right next to you. So I'm on that same page. I do think, you know, it is something that we ended up um, learning just in the sense of those types of scares. I mean, it's always tough because as an indie filmmaker, like you said, you have to basically use what you do have as the location, but it is something where I think as we develop and as we have more access and more of a budget, those are going to be the easier things to fix. And also I do think with Tracy and Dylan, you were kind of right where like, I think we just needed like two or three more interactions. I think they just need a few more touch points where they can kind of slowly develop because you kind of go one direction to then liking each other, like really kind of not in a smooth way. So I'm, I'm on board with all of those things. Now we get them outside in the woods again. Tom's really angry. He's just running out there. Everyone else is trying to catch up to Tom. Ashley goes looking for him. And then Dylan basically gets sent in. And this was something I remember when we were going back and forth about, like, I don't want them to be out in the woods again. I was like, this is the perfect example to do it. You just have Tom run out there. No one else wants to go out there. So it does kind of split them up. But I think the one thing I wanted to highlight in this one is this is where we kind of really embrace that lighting of, you know, technically in the woods there really shouldn't be too much but you got a giant silhouette of a moon on every character and again we have still yet to really get any feedback um in the sense of it so i think one the lighting works um is one of the big ones and then two um you know this is kind of the scene that i think everyone's waiting for which is you know the shapeshifter gets someone and surprise surprise after we see ashley get yanked she comes back and she's completely different I think huge shout out to Chloe here. She did an absolutely fantastic job of playing this role as the shapeshifter. But this is kind of a scene that I think people were expecting from the beginning of the movie. And I think it's okay. I think we did a good job with the the yoink scene. I think it's good. I would say overall, it looks good. It flows. It has it. It's nothing too crazy. But I think where it really picks up is when Chloe comes out and emerges as the new shapeshifter. That's when you really feel like things are kind of getting going. Yeah, this was the scene that I was really concerned about because we had them run out to the woods earlier, hear voices, and now we're doing the same thing. You really want to try and stay away from having repetitive stuff, especially in indie film uh, movie. So you don't want to shoot in the same locations or in the same style. You want to try and cheat you know, the cinematic look. And when you have a cinematic movie with a high budget, you can have access to a lot of different locations, a lot of different scenes. So nothing is similar. I was really worried that this was going to be a duplicate. It was not going to be, you know, people are going to be like, oh no, here we go. They're going to be running down the steps again. And Tom's going out there. They're doing the same thing over and over again. But really it wasn't a problem. I don't think anybody brought it up. Um, I thought this scene was good. I thought this uh, grab scare was one of our better grab scares. And once again, you know, shout out to Chloe. I think she did a really good job with, you know, turning into the, the shapeshifter. You know, looking back on it, my only feedback on this one 
is I think this scene can be moved up to where they see Roger for the first time. And I think instead of Chloe getting taken, you can take Tom. I think that you'd have to completely rehaul a lot of the script, but I do think that this one can be moved up. And now you're adding maybe another seven to eight minutes of uh, action and the audience knowing something that the characters don't. So you're adding more suspense, you're adding more stakes. I think that would have worked. Um, and the dynamics would have been slightly different. The characters would have been slightly different. But for the most part, I think the pacing and structure of the movie would have been the same. And I think you would have just got more suspense, more action, if we just moved this to where Roger heard the voices. And I think it would have been a better scare as well. But once again, you're shift, you're changing who's the shapeshifter. You're changing like a lot of little dynamics. But then also you have kind of the cool thing where the shapeshifter is actually inside the cabin with the other people, um, which I always thought was really cool. I thought Chloe did a really good job later on with that. And I think maybe that just needed to happen earlier. And I think that that would have uh, raised the stakes because now they're trying to figure out who the shapeshifter is. So I think that would be my feedback. I'd have to write different variations of the script to see if it worked. But I do think there's a the potential to move this scene up in the movie. I'm curious about that because I think one of the big ones that we've always talked about is like in a 2.0 version, the big mystery is having someone get, you know, attacked early and you don't quite know what's happening. It's more or less of like a thing version. So I think for us in this one, in this version that we did, it's very straightforward. You kind of know exactly who it's going to be. Ashley gets taken. Ashley comes back and she's clearly not the same character. And then from there, you kind of go into it. So I think in the future one, you'll kind of have more of, you know, a reaction from not only the entire audience, but from the um, the cast themselves in the sense of, you know, what is actually like, who's actually going to be the person for it. So we have this. And again, amazing job with Chloe um, in this next scene where basically she comes back. She makes it clear to Tracy that, you know, hey, something's off with her. And we do another thing that we do um, really well from the murder house, which is a split scene. I would say this was really, really good compared to the second lore dump, where it's basically the same thing. What is it? It's Dylan talking about what's going on. But this time it's very specific. He acknowledges the lore specifically. He says he saw it. He found an article of me and I was already dead from the beginning. So they do a really good job of ironing home exactly what's going on with the lore. But while they're talking, we have Ashley basically talking to Tom and convincing him to go to the Springs. So I would say this is one that is it's better than that middle photo lore dump. And it's actually a really good idea. And I think, you know, moving forward, if we can always almost kind of explain the lore as someone's in danger of the lore. It really ups the ante of it. Yeah. This is your Jake by the lake scene. If you heard us talk about the murder house and it's just essentially right before you, you hit it off to the climax, you just recap exactly what's going on. You recap the thoughts in the characters heads. You recap the plot because once you start the climax from here, you don't want to slow it down. You want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And we had a lot of problems with this in the first eight movies where 
people didn't know what was going on. People didn't know the characters' motivations and they didn't know the stakes. And it just caused a lot of abrupt endings and it caused a lot of people to be like, wait, what? And Into the Forest, the first one is a great example of this. We never really brought up that the witch is a shapeshifter. We never brought up her powers or what really what's going on or the characters' motivations. And it ends abruptly. And the feedback on that one was like, wait, what just happened? I have no idea what just happened. So we learned in the Morgan estate, how to properly do this. And we utilize that technique in this movie. We explained exactly what's going on. And I do agree with Kel. I think we did a really, really good job in this one. Dylan says what he's thinking. Tracy acts as the viewer and just feeds him essentially questions to, you know, explain himself a little bit more. But then we learn her, you know, her fear. She realizes it too. And she is the viewer at this point. But we also do it in an engaging way. They're doing something, right? They're not just sitting there narrating to themselves. We could easily had them talking to themselves. And that just would have been boring. We have a visual element. So we added a third dimension. And I do think adding the third dimension of visual element is big. And I think we kind of learned this also in Into the Forest 2.0 where um, – where uh, the Nelson character is kind of looking at this giant board that he he drew up and is explaining exactly what's going to happen um, with pictures of missing children. I thought that was really cool. And it's just another element. So if you're an indie filmmaker out there and you have to deliver this plot and you have to deliver this lore, it's very you know complex and it's going to be a three or four minute scene between two characters. Have them looking at something, whether it's a map, whether it's a laptop, whether it's pictures, anything that can be done to just give yourself another cut point, because then you can speed it up in post, much easier to speed it up in editing. But just having, once again, that visual element, you're making a movie, you have to show people things, will just make the scene that much better. I think that's a great point. And, you know, one thing I'd like to add right now is, you know, when you're looking at any of the 2.0 versions, I think these are scenes that like you would just stack gore more so and like special effects. Because I, I would say what we would have then is, you know, maybe as they're talking, you wouldn't just cut at Tom and Ashley saying, okay, let's go. You would show them going down to the lake, you'd show it happening. And then, you know, I'd have some cool transformation slash attack by Ashley. And they, there you go. Now you have an even more detailed version of this one. But basically what ends up happening is they get nervous. They want to leave. They can't find the keys. Oh no, the car is not there. So they're basically trying to figure out what they need to do. And then there is a knock at the door, pop scare from Tom. And then we have our Tom Tom scene. And I would say this was another one of those scenes, much like the call with Roger that was like so embaked in the, like, I find that when you write, you know, a movie, you have like these core scenes that you basically link up with the other plot devices too and to me the tom tom scene was always one where basically if two people banging out a door you have them you know wanting to do it we did the mirroring um uh trick with the haunted the murder house i feel like we were like all right let's go ahead and try this one here but basically it's a pop scare of tom appearing then it is the other tom on the other window and basically dylan having to figure it out with fire which again i remember when you were against fire but look at that that's a victory i'll take more importantly, though, people really like this scene. And I think it was one where it has a lot going on. It has, you know, there's two people in them. It's pretty basic filmmaking, but it's kind of like the second level of basic in the sense of there is a few camera tricks. It was a little bit tricky for us to figure it out how to get it to work. But I think overall, this is a really good scene. And like this highlights the shapeshifter element of it. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tom Tom scene. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. But once again, like, 
the location we're at was just not ideal for this scene. You can easily, if we had both windows or doors very close and more uh, construction or um, what's the word, like in a tighter space between the two characters. So where they literally look left and right, the Tom is right there. This is a long hallway all the way down until you saw the, um, the outdoor patio to the actual door. So the tension, the stakes really weren't there too much. Um, that being said, I thought we did a pretty good job with this one. We did have a cooler lighter that was a little bit bigger that had a bigger flame. Uh, Dylan broke it within four hours of actually being on set. So we had to use a little Bic lighter. But from a lot of reviews, people liked the little Bic lighter better, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, they added, added a little bit more realism that people would have like a little Bic lighter on them. Um, that being said, I don't like it. I wish we had the bigger lighter, but you know, things happen on set. You have to be flexible, but I do think this is a good scene. I don't think it's a great scene. I think if we were to do this again and had a better location and we had a better understanding of what we wanted to do, I think we can make a really, really great scene here. I think this could be really creepy. It could be really well done. I think there's the opportunity for multiple pop scares in this. I just think for the first time, you know, we did a good job. I think it, it worked. A lot of people really liked this scene, but there's a lot more spice in here. I think we're just scratching the surface on how to do this scene. This will be in a whole bunch of other movies that we do because it really is cool. It's a technical scene, but it's a technical scene as in we can do this with what we have. So there's cool little tricks in there that make us look more cinematic, make us look like a Netflix movie that are just basic premiere hacks. Um, which is really what we want to try and do. You know, we're utilizing what we have to get the best result. Uh, if we do get a Shapeshifter 2.0, this probably will be moved up in the movie because it's such a great scene. And I think it'll be lengthened. I think it could be really cool. I think if you kind of combine this with what we had in Girl in Cabin 13, where they're both kind of running around the house. Um, and each time they go into like a different room, look out a different window, you see a different character. Like it would be like Ashley, Roger, like all the people that the shapeshifter was, I think would be really cool. And if they all just start knocking on the win the doors and the windows, I think that's a scary thing. But I think we have to develop it a little bit more because this is a very good payoff scene. I think we did a good job, but there is a lot more spice in this one. We are just scratching the surface. Oh yeah, that's the definition of a 1.0. And also where we're at here at DBS, you know, in the sense that once we scale up a lot of different things, it'll be easy to add those spicy elements on top of it. Um, so we have that scene right there. Tom Tom, he comes back in, he's injured. Um, I think that this was one where like I think because we didn't show as much as what was happening with Ashley and Tom or whatnot, we had to just announce what was happening and kind of clarify that with Tracy. But I would say while the next few scenes are again critical for the plot and the development of it, it's it kind of goes again where it's a little bit of like a clunkier dialogue. And and talking about it now, like you were saying at them going around girl and cabin 13 scene on the knocking and things like that. 100 percent agree with that. I was just thinking for the next scene that comes up, which is basically um the uh the officer hawk scene. So we have the phone call. Like you were saying, we've been splitting up the scenes to kind of make them flow. But I think what I'm realizing now is that they're just on the phone, just talking. 
it's still going to be boring unless you kind of do a witty cut like we did in the beginning where there's actually like a joke in the dialogue. So I think as I'm looking at it now for the Officer Hawk scene where it's basically Aries and Dylan kind of talking back and back. And again, huge shout out to Howard for absolutely crushing this scene, doing an amazing job. I think what would have been even more interesting is maybe Shapeshifter Ashley kind of prowling and figuring out and then showing, you know, either that she gets something locked or just something visual. So I think some type of visual element while they're having a conversation, if you can link that there's something else going on or like, you know, cut to Tom and he like clearly has like a nasty wound or something like that. I think you just got to give them a little bit more of an eye candy thing. Now that I'm looking at the the call that we have, because just kind of going back and forth between Aries and Dylan kind of gets a little bit bland. Again, they did a great job and that plot is developed of why the cops are going to take so long to get there and why they need to rely on Joe but I think it is the case where having some more visual things, as you were mentioning earlier, is going to always spice it up. Yeah, I do think that this scene is a little bit too long. I do like when Ashley hits on the window. I like that. The Officer Hawk call, it was just long. There's a lot of stuff in there. Um, and I kept it in there because I did think it was good. I thought Aries did a really good job. I thought Dylan did a really good job. It has like a little bit of humor in there. Um and the frantic nature is like what we were trying to capture. I thought we did capture it. I do think um, if this movie was longer, as in like I had to actually cut down a minute or two instead of trying, you know, get to the 120 mark. Because um, remember, we lost eight minutes with this movie from the intro. If I had the opportunity where I had actually cut stuff, I think the officer Hawk would have been cut down just a little bit. I do think it's a little bit long, but I do think that the like the way we did it was good. The way to make it great is have Tom really like bleeding out or really like not in good shape, almost like what we did in murder house with the, the seizure where he's like really bleeding out, almost dying. So the stakes in that conversation is Tom's pretty much dead or he's dying and they need help right away. Dylan just can't articulate that properly. And the officer's not giving him, you know, enough help. And then the real spicy nugget is, well, it's going to take an hour to get here. Uh, Cause I think the audience, everyone else is expecting them to, you know, be right away. If you call 911, you expect them to come quick. And the fact that they can't get there um, ups the stakes, but I think you need to have Tom like bleeding out or in serious danger or, you know, his life needs to really be in danger in order to really get the stakes where they need to be to have the frantic nature and really just make this scene much more spicy. Yeah, I think that just dynamic of it would really help. Plus, it was also one of those scenes where we kind of rushed through it a bit, too, in the sense of like filming and production. I remember we just picked it up with Dylan. Um, Aries did a fantastic job of it. But yeah, it's just one of those things where the hard part is now that you've seen it, you can understand, OK, we need to add more attention to it. So where I want to kind of end this episode and we'll pick up for our final episode next week is I think, you know, just again, where the pacing is. I, we're at 58 minutes right now and we've basically done everything. We've had the the final lifeline of the police cannot help you because they're 50, or 50 miles away. We've had the two lore dumps that we've had. Joe's basically on his way right now. So we'll, we'll add that scene. So it's another phone call, but Joe's like, I'm on my way. Roger thinks it's a prank. But basically what ends up happening now is you've had three lore dumps. You understand that there's a shapeshifter out there. You understand that it took Ashley's shape. Ashley is gone. Tom was injured by the shapeshifter. Everyone believes in the shapeshifter. They're actually, they're actively trying to leave now, but they've hit the point of no return. So now they're stuck to deal with the consequences. And again, 
this is something that, especially in a horror movie, you have to understand how this whole plot develops. Because I think if you do it too soon, then, you know, you have a long movie and it just doesn't make sense for them to either leave or what's happening or what's going on. So I think when you just look at the pacing again, you know, we're an hour into this. We're setting up the last 15 minutes of the movie and you know all the stakes, you know all of the characters, you know everything that's happening. And I think one of the biggest things we see with indie filmmakers is you'll get to this point in a movie and still have absolutely no clue what is happening or what is going on or what can you expect. Right now, the only thing you need to expect is will they survive or not where they're currently at? Yeah, I think uh, making a movie and getting to the climax part and having developed the whole movie and the plot to the point where all you have for your climax is action is where you want to be. You don't want people asking questions of, all right, what's chasing them? What are the rules of this world? What are the characters thinking? You know, what's their objective? Where are they trying to go? You don't want to have that stuff because it's going to slow you down. Your pacing's going to get really weird. Um, and I think a lot of indie filmmakers struggle with it. And I think we did everything we needed to do except give them some place to go. They were just leaving the cabin. But there should have been something, uh, whether or not it was like Joe's place or whether it was like trying to get to another person for help. You really want to give them a place to go. And we really haven't done that too much in our movies. And it's definitely something I want to work on. But you want to try and... Have them get somewhere, whether it's a road, whether it's just some way to get to help. Because it's like you want to get them to that goal line. Because then you can either have them pass the goal line or you could do the whole thing where they get there. They think they made it and then they get killed. But I do think the only thing missing from this climax would be, you know, the the destination for them to go. But I do think... Everything is set up perfectly right now. We did a really good job of developing the characters. We did a really good job of developing the plot. We did a very, very good job of developing the lore in the world. And now it's just, you know, get them out there, figure out how, what you want to do with your characters, how you want to do it, and just try and make, you know, the most satisfying end for the movie that you possibly can. And that's where we're hoping to get you. So that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Next episode, we're going to go through the climax and the end, as well as a lot of our thoughts for The Force of Death. If you haven't seen it yet, please go ahead and take a look at it online. Any kind of rental review means the world to us. Also, be sure to take a look at our Discord channel online because we do have auditions coming up for our newest feature because we make movies for our fans with our fans. So if you ever want to be part of the action, part of the fun, go ahead, download Discord, join us. But until then, have a good one.